0: Welcome to episode three of the Emerald Games Cast. My name is Nolan, with me is... Andrea, And we're back with another week of, uh, you know, whatever the hell we do here. Um, unfortunately, this week we are missing our co-host, Alex. Um, he's out for a bit, but just like last week, we're just going to do another one of them fireside chat episodes, you know, same... Tragic what happened uh, to him. You know the drill, though. Grab a cup of cocoa, get a blanket, um, find a nice comfortable chair and sit... More the loss of our co-host Alex. <laughs> Andy, how are you doing this week? We have some news, but I want to just, you know, hear from you first.
1: Uh, I'm not diseased anymore, so that's pretty nice.
0: Wait, really quick. I just want to address briefly that usually before going into the news, we would talk about the releases of the week, but um, we decided this week we're going to try something a little bit different and just go right into the news. And that's only because um, we didn't get to play any of the games this week. And Simply for the sake of like the integrity of the show, it seems a little bit dishonest to talk about the games, it, and, and not, none of us have looked at them other than seeing trailers. The president of Nintendo of America, Reggie Fils-Aimé, is or did step down, I believe. Was it uh, yesterday or a couple days ago? No,
1: it was a couple days ago. A couple days
0: ago. Um, this is news that has been out there for quite a while. He, this, this day's been scheduled, um, and his replacement, Doug Bowser has actually, I just learned recently, has been shadowing him since 2015.
1: Wow, yeah. He is, uh... Bowser very much appears ready for this role, and he is having fun with it already.
0: Yeah, it's true. So, how do you feel about... I mean, do you know much about Reggie's presidency? Were you in, in, any, in any way, like, connected sentimentally to him? I knew the memes. People, you
1: know the memes? I, I knew the memes. I think that's how most people see him. Uh, you know, my body is ready. Reggie fills a mech. My
0: body's Reggie.
1: My body is Reggie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's how most people seem to know him, but through every single correspondence I've ever seen, and every interview that has featured him, he's generally just seemed like a really down-to-earth cool guy
0: yeah so for those that don't don't know for a little bit of context um Reggie Fils-Aimé's presidency is I think on people's minds a lot more than a typical uh corporate uh presidency because Reggie really came in at the beginning of this era of Nintendo where they began to put executives kind of at the front in a in a in a personality driven way in terms of presentation which is pretty unique um or at least it was at the time, I think they really drove a sort of move in that direction for the whole games industry, whereas now in 2019, you do see people like um, Todd Howard and uh, Randy Pitchford and all those (laughs) people, you know. Um, But like Reggie and Satoru Iwata were really at the forefront of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were the the big ones. They put themselves out there and gave personality to what is essentially a corporation. Yeah, absolutely. What is a corporation, and, and, really? And when
0: when Nintendo of America in particular was actually, well, Nintendo in general, was having a a, a a downward swinging period with the release of the Wii U and sort of the end of the Wii and stuff, and with Nintendo kind of not necessarily on the top of their game in in the in the business sense, I think they really were on the top of the game in the presentation sense. I mean, I didn't have a Wii U, but man, I tuned in for every Nintendo Direct.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I, I never really... I had a Wii U, and even then I didn't care about it. But I did watch all the directs, and they were, even if they functioned well as marketing material, they functioned even better as entertainment.
0: Yeah, so, uh, super tall, charming, charismatic dude. I loved him. Um, a lot of people did. He was actually the president of Pizza Hut before moving to Nintendo. Did you know about that?
1: I, I didn't know that. And God, I wish I did.
0: Yeah, he, he, he's, he's the man behind the cowboy pizza.
1: Well, I'm glad he's gone. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, I mean, personally, I'm sad to see Reggie go. But, um, I mean, only as sad as one would be to see a corporate CEO step down. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about Doug Bowser. Yeah, I mean, his I'm, name's Bowser. His name's Bowser. You really can't you really can't make this up. The guy's name is Bowser. He's the president of Nintendo. Ever
1: since he's, like, even been a presence at Nintendo at all, like, he, he's been uh, a public figure for for quite a while, even before his presidency. He's already leaning into those jokes, and I hope he only goes further. Uh, speaking of the legacy of Nintendo, uh, be prepared to talk about the legacy of Capcom, because this company is going down. Wait, hold on,
0: okay. But Capcom has been having a really good year, like a really good time with all of All of games. this
1: good time is gonna end because of this stupid console they're making.
0: I don't think anybody would have expected that what they would reveal is this giant cloud sword ass-sized capcom literally a capcom logo
1: first of all it's called the buster sword second of all
0: <laughs> why it's it's a capcom logo with buttons and sticks and it's a plug and play console it is the most hysterical thing i've ever seen it's literally a capcom logo
1: i if it wasn't a capcom logo i might even be excited about this there's quite a few cool games listed on there uh they've got 1944 they got alien versus predator uh, Capcom Sports Club, if anybody cares. Give me
0: a, give me a, full, give me a full list. Just like run, run down. I'm game.
1: literally running through that, my okay, dude. Keep going. Do you think I care about Alien vs Predator? <laughs> God knows I don't. Armored Warriors. Uh, they got uh, Cyberbots, Darkstalkers, Eco Fighters. I can't read that. Captain Commando. Oh, that's what it is. Eco Fighters. I'm Have you a heard of that? Captain Planet. Okay. I'm assuming. <laughs> Uh, Final Fight, ghosts and, and Ghouls and Ghosts, mm-hmm. Giga Wing, Mega Man, The Power Battle, Pro Gear, Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting, Strider, and Street Fighter 2 Turbo Super. I don't know which order to read that in. The super is behind everything else. Yeah, it's a really weird logo. Um, but I'm glad we've got two versions of Street Fighter. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, I like this list in a in like an academic kind of way like it's kind of cool to see this plug and play console that is basically a fight stick include some games that are just side scrollers and beat-em-ups um, mm-hmm. but man I, there's nothing on here for me this thing costs a lot of money and i
1: already $250 i believe but uh the weirdest thing to me is uh wi-fi on board
0: Okay, wait, what? I didn't know that. Why?
1: Yeah, it's got onboard Wi-Fi. Uh, I've been trying to find... Is it like for leaderboards? Uh, Yes, I believe, yeah, a worldwide high-score leaderboard to see how you match up against other players across the globe. Quote, CapcomHomeArcade.com slash home.
0: Yeah, that's cool, but I just don't want this thing in my house. I mean, I, look
1: at it. It's just a giant Capcom logo. It's probably going to stare at me, and I don't want it in my home.
0: It, yeah. Where would you even put this thing?
1: In the trash.
0: <laughs> no, I mean... Look, 50 bucks, I'd buy this. Oh, absolutely. Games, I'd, I'd hang it on a wall, you know? I wouldn't play it. I'd hang it on a wall. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> it's like it's like beautifully garish. It's disgustingly nice. Okay, I, I, can,
1: I can respect that. The, uh... <laughs> but... <laughs> it's 200 pounds!
0: All right. Let's look up the NES Mini price. There's probably a little bit of clicking on my keyboard there. But the, uh... NES Classic Edition, I believe it was $60, is that right? I, bl- I think it was
1: one... $60 at launch, yeah. It was 60 or
0: $50. Yep, yep, 59 MSRP. It's the cost of one game, and it comes with 30 And it... these are also games that people, I think, remember quite a bit more fondly. So really, I think what Capcom is just going for is the scale of this thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, also, the uh, reportedly the sticks are really high quality. They're micro-switched. Uh, the buttons are... Yeah, the uh, competition class Sanwa JLF TP 8YT sticks with 8-way e directional GTY gates. Yeah, and I know what that means. I probably looked it up at one point. Yeah. But they're high quality. Yeah. But none of that can excuse the price tag.
0: Andy, hit me up with the more important part of this story, which is the yeah. controversy surrounding the release of this, wherein people that have been working on... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding is that... There is a group of volunteer programmers that have been creating um, sort of arcade accurate emulation software that Capcom basically used to create this product without crediting or paying these people.
1: Okay, so yeah, that's not entirely correct, okay. but it's it's kind of close. There is still a controversy around it. Uh, essentially the volunteer programming thing. Uh, the free open source software is a very important thing in our like software ecosystem. Many things that we use are open source, meaning that anyone can contribute to the code, and if that code's approved, it gets added to the project. Um, It's a really important way that things get created. Uh, It's a nice communal project that people work on. And uh, the emulation system that this console is using is based on a free open source software project, which has listed in its license that it can't be used by anyone. The the code can't be redistributed and sold. Basically, if you're going to make a profit off this code, you can't do that.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but there is precedent for this, right? Didn't didn't Nintendo do a similar thing with um, the virtual console releases of some Mario games? Uh,
1: They used... uh, They downloaded ROMs from basically other people who have pirated those ROMs and uploaded them, oh, they, they use those ROMs. But they wrote
0: their own emulator, though? Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: so the, this is the,
0: would this be the first time that a major company has just straight up ripped an emulator from That's outside? the thing. That's not
1: what they did. Okay. Um, what they did was they licensed it from the project head, which... Oh, but the,
0: but the individual creators were not involved in that transaction?
1: So that's the fun thing about it. Uh, so the emulator in question is called FB Alpha. As you said, really big, popular arcade emulator. It's super, super fast. The issue with it is the person who owns, who runs the project, they have every right to license it out. And that's what they've done. And they're making a profit off of it. But it's really scummy to do that when it's a free open source project that other people have contributed to. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, hey, everybody, come work on my thing. And we'll all reap the benefits. It's
0: it's like how this is kind of a weird analogy, but it's like how technically a group like uh like I said so like Instagram might own many of the pictures uploaded, but if they were to go release like a photo book without contacting any photographers, is that uh I, I, similar thing ish?
1: I think that's uh that's a good enough mm-hmm. that's a good enough uh example or analogy, I suppose. But uh it's it's gross mostly for from the uh, creator of FP Alpha that's just really nasty not a not an ethical thing to do uh capcom i find harder to be angry at mm-hmm. but uh it's an unfortunate situation and i feel sorry for all of the people who have contributed contributed to it who have not received anything for it
0: so is the quote from the fb alpha development forum where these programmers gather, one, one user named IQ132. I am very against someone profiting from my work, unless it's me, of course. I have never accepted payment for my emulation work. I'm considering pulling out all of the code I wrote and ported for FBA. This would effectively make FBA back into just a CPS and Neo Geo emulator. Um, I'm curious, from someone that doesn't necessarily understand how these projects work in, an, in, a, in a very in-depth way, I'm assuming that Capcom already has all of the code. Would it, and the product's probably already done. So I'm, it's not possible at this point for the developers to just pull their code and. and That's not this. really possible. So, no, they've probably already made use of what they're going to take, and the people maybe didn't even know until this product was already announced. Oh, I'm,
1: I'm almost certain that none of them were notified about this. I wouldn't doubt that the F. P. Alpha creator just kept it entirely under wraps.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a shady thing, and and I and I'm I'm you know, I'm glad we opened the show with some positive stories about like stuff like Reggie because I feel like we're on a three episode roll of uh, most most of the industry news being pretty sad lately.
1: Yeah, people not getting paid for their work, people uh, leaving their work because of overwork, work, work, work. Unless you
0: have anything else to say about that, you can talk about something else sad, which is. This new Xbox One—it's not literally sad, but the but but they called it the Xbox <laughs> One S All Digital Edition, which is literally the sad edition.
1: Microsoft's on a roll with these names: Xbone, Xbone sad.
0: Yeah. Okay. This—if you haven't heard the rumors, or not? Well, they were rumors. They're not anymore. If you haven't heard the news, basically what this is is a cheaper Xbox One that doesn't include a disc drive, um, which. I find it to be really interesting because on a surface level, it absolutely makes sense. I mean, there was um, a while ago where Xbox launched a plan where you could buy an Xbox One over the course of mini payments. Mm-hmm. You could pay monthly. And then with their move towards Xbox One games going on PC and their move towards streaming. And now this, it seems like what Xbox is doing recognizing that they have fallen behind in comparison to the PS4 is just trying to make their console as accessible as possible in terms of barrier to entry. Yeah. And so I understand that. I have really mixed feelings, though, about an all digital console because it pushes us closer to the death of physical media. I (laughs) And I don't know how I feel about that.
1: I, I have mixed feelings, too. Uh on one hand, the death of physical media is sad because collectors love to collect. You know, having all of those games up on my shelf. Oh, that's I nice. I love that. Oh, I, I know you do. I love the
0: satisfaction of boxes, man. I've, I have straight up bought.
1: You're in Alex's rooms, uh, bless his heart. Uh, yes, yeah, bless his heart. Bless his heart, Rip. <laughs> uh, you're in Alex's uh, rooms just like terrify me with how much stuff you guys own.
0: I there's this one game called Stella Glow for the 3ds that I had literally oh my never God. heard of, and I walked into the shop and they had this beautiful box with a like a poster and a charm, and I was like, give it to
1: me. Yeah, no the the area the era of back when big box PC games had like mm. extra goodies inside of them, that's cool and I love it, but on on the other hand, like conservationalism. It's it's good to like cut down on like all the plastic and paper that you're going to be using when printing all these games.
0: Yeah, well,
1: it doesn't cost much in manu- It it reduces manufacturing costs.
0: So to play to play devil's advocate, um, I believe that there is a downside because like with Steam, if Steam were to shut down tomorrow, we wouldn't technically own all of the games within our library, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, we we only have the right to install them and to down, download and install them, basically, as long as they're tied to
0: our account. But you need to have the platform there for that to matter. Yeah. So what, what I'm worried about, and I'm curious like what you think about this, if, if, for example, if say like if PlayStation 6 um, were to be all digital or even streaming, you know, it would we would be moving into the territory that films and music kind of currently occupy where the majority of people pay for access, not for ownership. And that changes the way that a medium works. It changes the way of the Absolutely. that are produced, the way they're distributed. And now it's up in the air whether that, whether that would be a positive change for games or a negative one or even a neutral one.
1: My worry is primarily in terms of um,
0: how these games will be accessed
1: in like 20 years. I want to be able to just have, if, if it's all digital, I want to be able to play my games without the Xbox service running. I'm yep. fine with it being tied to the console. And heck, I'm fine with uh, just like it being tied to an account.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As long as uh, like when that service is deprecated, then they push out an update that says, hey, you can use all of this stuff without an account.
0: Yeah, but the thing is that puts the onus on the developer and the publisher to be consistent about doing that. And
1: yeah, and I don't number, trust them to.
0: Exactly, I don't either. I think there'll be a number of cases where games just... Don't get that support, but moreover,
1: We um, Shop Channel,
0: I'm right? Yeah, We Shop getting shut down, and those games being completely inaccessible, or things like P.T. Um, being something that exists completely in the realm of, of, um, you know, it's just archived in certain people's consoles, and you can't get it otherwise. Mm-hmm. But yeah,
1: game archival
0: is the big worry. Yeah, and 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 I'm I'm biased from not even just an ownership perspective, but from a historical perspective. I think that games are existing in this unique space, outside of the space that something like films or books exist in, where the ability to enjoy a game is tied to whether or not you own the hardware necessary to run it. And that means that you can't have a library of video games that can exist for historical um, uh, reasons, unless you also keep all of the hardware and maintain it. And that's a, a difficult and kind of scary thing. And I also wonder um, if games continue to go in this direction, even aside from hardware, um, but if you think of cases like Destiny or Anthem mm. or games as service, um, what's gonna happen to games that exist uh, entirely at the mercy of their online connection when those connections go away. It, it, the history of games is going to be much more complicated than the history of so, the medium.
1: So, yeah, the, the the benefit of all of this is that emulation, just emulation, 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 right. in 20 years, we're going to be, hell, in like three years, we can emulate the PS4, play an entire range of PS4 games. I just mm-hmm. want to be able to play those ROMs without DRM. Well, they're not ROMs anymore because yeah, but, they're not read-only memory. But
0: even but, if emulation is the way that we cover that ground, that still means that the community needs to do the groundwork to be able to preserve those things. And I and I think what we should, in my in my opinion, and I'm, you know, biased as kind of a collector, but I think that the industry should strive for a system which encourages preserving the products they create instead of treating them um, in a more disposable way, which is not necessarily where games are at, but it's where they could go.
1: I, I absolutely agree, but I don't see it happening when you can yeah. re-release Shadow of the Colossus uh, like... You, you can just re-release Shadow of the Colossus ten years later, true. or uh, you can just resell your games constantly. And I guess that's their method of preservation—is by making yeah. you pay for them again.
0: Which is also kind of yeah. I mean, I you know, it is a complex conversation that we'll probably have again um, if games uh, move into streaming, which is on the horizon as well.
1: And speaking of streaming, just I I when Google Stratia was announced, I didn't believe in it. I thought there's no way that it's going to reach enough people at, with fast enough connection in order Anyone to make games playable at all. It
0: doesn't know really quick. Google Stadia is um, Google's like play into the, into the console field. It's supposed to be a completely streaming focused gaming platform where you just play games that are hosted on like an external server so that you can do it on like a, like a Chromebook with no power, you know, just as long as the internet connection, you can play like, AC Odyssey, and it's it's uh, going to be a thing pretty
1: soon. Yeah, and I, I didn't believe in any of this. I thought it was just going to be garbage, but uh, just today I decided, hey, I'm going to try out this cool new Steam Link app thing, <laughs> and uh, I got it set up with my computer, and wow. It, just, works. it It works so well. It has so little latency that I can play Crypt of the Necrodancer, a rhythm game, <sighs> from my PC that is on the other side of town, and uh, I was just sitting in the... Uh, sitting in like a coffee shop and just like play Crypt of the Necrodancer. I didn't do well because I, I didn't have my controls set up right, but... If I
0: were to like walk into your house while you were sitting in that cafe, would I see your computer screen on playing itself or is this like the something that it does kind of on the side?
1: You would see my computer playing itself. Um, if you've ever used a uh, a remote desktop service yes. like a TeamViewer, it's basically that but optimized to hell and back. Okay. To uh, minimize latency while maintaining uh, high enough visual fidelity that you can actually play your game.
0: Now, where you were, it, um, did you have a really good net connection? Like, is this? It
1: was a good net connection
0: service. If you were sitting in like McDonald's on the Wi-Fi.
1: Um, if the McDonald's Wi-Fi is strong, then you can play Pong. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: can play like a, like a turn-based strategy game. Yeah,
1: like even with yeah. a bad internet connection, I could play a turn-based yeah. strategy game.
0: Do you think that this is something that you'll just look at as a, as a novelty or like is this is actually... Oh,
1: no, this has convinced me to buy a Bluetooth controller.
0: So, you, so, this is, so you, you've been converted. Do you think if games go this way... Because Microsoft has been talking a lot, a lot about uh, doing this with their first-party stuff, making um, Xbox first-party games accessible basically... Everywhere. I don't have this source on hand right now, so I'm forgetting the quote, but they basically were talking about getting games to everyone, like you can just play it on your phone. Um,
1: I think it's a really viable service, and I think that it's a really cool way to get a lot of people who typically don't have access to the kind of hardware you would want in order to play these kind of games interested and, you know, playing. But... I would absolutely abhor the idea that all, that is the way that all games are sold and they will never be sold yes. all like that. I don't think that's viable.
0: Me too. It's never going
1: to happen like Me that. Too.
0: What about fighting games? You know, the games that require like yeah. frame, frame by frame um, play. I... You know, but who knows? Technology is insane. Maybe in 20 years, uh, internet latency will be less of an issue. I mean-
1: It's not just internet latency. People like to own their stuff like both of us do. Yes. Despite Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Music, iTunes still exists. Yeah,
0: that's true. Um, Speaking of giving games to everyone, Nintendo recently uh, made a request for Tencent to help them distribute the Switch into China.
1: It's cool that uh, they're finally breaking into that market. As you've mentioned, uh, for a good while, Nintendo consoles have actually been banned in China.
0: Yeah, I believe since, um, until 2015, Nintendo, well, actually game consoles in general were inaccessible in China. Mm. Um, But it is also worth knowing that China still is within the top three um, highest grossing economies in terms of video game revenue. And that's not just... That's only all because. domestic. Well, it's not just domestic, though. Something I learned today when reading about this is that there was a, an, 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 an extensive um, like network of gray markets. There's actually a lot of Nintendo oh. consoles available in China, but they were much more expensive. And often you would buy them um, either from an unofficial vendor or you'd buy them online and have them shipped in. And they were technically illegal, but it wasn't the kind of thing the government would enforce keeping out of the country, so... Little Johnny
1: it, can't play his PS4 because it got stopped by, uh, uh, by the TSA.
0: And I mean, like, a really good example is the fact that the Pokemon games had that um, controversy a couple years back when they changed the name of Pikachu um, in the uh, most recent Pokemon game, which is interesting because Chinese localizations of Nintendo games actually have existed. Mm-hmm. They're just not Chinese localizations. They are, like... East Asian localizations in which those versions typically have English language on the cartridge as well and simplified Chinese and whatever else. And that way they can still make it into China. I
1: thought those were for Taiwan.
0: Right, but they have Chinese language options because of places like Taiwan, which means they can be sold on a gray market. So it isn't like it's the first time China is getting an Nintendo console or a Switch. It just means now it's accessible in an official way, which will mean it's a lot cheaper. and it's going to be easier for people to get their hands on.
1: Well, um, I mean, I was already... I got my ass handed to me in Splatoon by a bunch of Japanese kids. I'm ready for the Chinese kids to do it as well. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay, but Andy, talk to me about Tencent. Because that's the company <sighs> distributing this. And Tencent has something of a rep these days.
1: Uh, to put it simply, they're kind of uh, a corp. They've... So is Nintendo. So is Nintendo, but, so is Nintendo, yeah. but uh, Tencent's a little bit uh, less quiet about it. Tencent, I decided to Google Tencent subsidiaries, and that is a long page. Oh, yeah. Uh, the they, most, they
0: own a lot of weird games. Don't they own Battlegrounds now?
1: Um, I believe they do, yes. Okay,
0: but anyways, keep, keep going.
1: The big ones they own are Epic Games and Riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Epic Games, of course, owning the Epic Games store. They own the Unreal Engine, uh, Fortnite... Whereas Riot, obviously, is a League of Legends. So, two of the biggest games in the world right now are owned directly by Tencent. And, uh, well, it's a weird situation. In order to get your console or get anything localized into China, you tend to have to go through a Chinese company. Yeah. They don't play nice by just ha- allowing foreign companies to uh, play in. Like, in particular, Valve, uh, they can't. They can't set up servers in China. Instead, they have to have everything done by Perfect World.
0: Yeah. So uh, this 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 came up a while ago with um, Rainbow Six Siege, where the Chinese yeah. government requested that they remove all. Um... Well, it was kind of strange. They requested they remove a lot of death-related imagery, like skull and blood squatters. Yep. But the weird thing about it is that they're they're asking for this to be removed from a. You know, five v five like counter counterterrorism shooter where people are clearly still being—that's not what and dying. it's about. Do you do you not know about this? No, I mean I I do in a in a, in a, in a, in a in a cursory way, but I'm just saying I find it interesting the idea of like heavily censoring a violent game to remove hints of violence while not removing the violence. It's
1: not the hints of violence that it's about. Um, I I don't know the name of the document, however, but it's basically just the guidelines of mm-hmm. what is acceptable to release in media. Mm-hmm. Um. I would love to know the official name of the document, but the what they ban is references to the paranormal. So, skulls, oh. ghosts, um, the skulls and ghosts are the big things. Skulls, ghosts, skeletons, uh, in particular going back to Valve, uh, when Dota 2 was released in China officially, uh, a lot of the characters that were skeletons had to have skin added to them. Um, mm-hmm. The skulls had to have be, had to be given uh, like more human faces um, it's not a matter of violence it's a matter of references to this sort of religious occ- occult
0: mm-hmm. well in that case Nintendo makes a lot of sense as a transition I mean um, because from like a market standpoint opening up that intellectual property treasure trove into China is a is a brilliant move I think and and also they're a pretty safe choice
1: oh them. absolutely and
0: they're funny I mean breath of the wild I mean all other games have have some skeleton-ish enemies do you think that that'll get changed or are those kind of like too kiddish to matter
1: um I I, I, guess,
0: I I guess you wouldn't know I I, I wouldn't
1: feel uh, yeah. qualified nor to to comment on uh, the methodology methodology of the Chinese government that's fair yeah
0: great. I,
1: I yeah I I'm very curious to see what they're gonna do moving forward it yeah given that these are like Pretty ubiquitous, uh, like mm-hmm. some of the most well-known games in the world. How they're going to touch them, if they're going to touch them, yeah. I'm really curious to see.
0: Gaming in China, China is absolutely fascinating from an outside perspective, um, but it's a, it's also a, a much longer conversation for a different time. If you're curious, like look it up. The history of video game distribution in China is. Got a lot of twists and turns. All right, Andy, let's talk about our last story, which is really the big one. It's there's really exciting. A ton of time. So we'll have to run through it kind of quick, but there's some weird stuff going on in the world of uh, next gen console announcements. Oh, it's so exciting. So uh, the PS5 um, is, well, you know, Mark Cerny calls it the quote, next generation console. Sony's technically not calling whatever this is a PS5, but there was a weird move recently where Sony, it uh, didn't come out and announce a new console. But they did release this uh, article in Wired that basically announced a new console. Um, Which I've never seen anyone do. They didn't have an event for this. There was no video. They just sort of dropped all the specs of their next thing.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm really curious what happened on the back end. Uh, There's been some speculation. I have
0: some theories. Okay. I'll only say one. My one is that Wired probably got the information from somewhere. Because I've heard that development kits for PS5 have been out for a while. Their development's well underway. I think it's pretty likely that, um, Wired maybe already knew about a lot of this stuff and they were like, hey, Sony, you should come work with us on this article, um, or else we're just going to do it anyways.
1: Yeah, I I think that's that's a pretty reasonable assumption. I, I
0: sincerely doubt that Mark Cerny, uh, Got the exclusive rights to announce it. It was like, hey, Wired, let me, like, drop this info on you before we even announce our console. Because they didn't have E3 this year. I mean, I can't imagine this was planned in their information strategy.
1: yeah. (laughs) Um, but it's, I, I mean, I would say it's effective for me. Yeah, This is a good way to drop a console for me. True. I'm really
0: interested because tech specs, you know, great. Let's really quickly run through, um, we'll go, go down the list of what this article talked about in terms of specs. Um, and then we can, after we go through the list, we can go back and talk about some that are really interesting. Yeah. So we've got an eight core AMD chipset based off of Ryzen's third generation CPUs, a Built-for-purpose SSD storage, um, which they use the word bespoke, so I'm assuming it's some kind of proprietary uh, in-house developed thing, which they estimate to be up to 19 times faster than a traditional solid-state drive.
1: I'm really curious what they compare this against, but that is really exciting.
0: Yes, uh, an enhanced GPU, which we don't have as much details no, it's on. Just, it's,
1: it's just a good, beefy GPU. It's just better. Enhanced, whatever. Yeah,
0: uh, PS4 backwards compatibility and PSVR. That's really cool. That
1: is Awesome. I'm really happy to see that.
0: Especially for someone who was just talking about, like, the idea of ownership fading away, Um, this is great. Uh, 8K TV support, (laughs) which is interesting because... So according to the article, 8K TV support exists. But the more important thing is that 4K will be the, like, the minimum benchmark. So every PS5 game is going to be a native 4K, and then 8K will be... Supported as well, Hmm. but like PS4 Pro at 4K, it wasn't very consistent.
1: I'm hoping. I'm really glad to see the 8K TV support, mostly just because I do kind of want to see the 1080p standard fail. I not fail, but like fade. Fade. Yeah, Yeah. it's time for 4K. Yeah, it's it's been
0: long enough. Um, Uh, Hit me with the next one, Andy.
1: Real-time ray tracing. Ray tracing? What even is ray tracing? Okay, so a quick primer for those who don't know what ray tracing is, like my friend Nolan. I mean, I
0: kind of know, but I just know it's about lights.
1: So essentially, the way that standard um, graphics processing works is through a process called rasterization, where they take every triangle and they're like, okay, what pixel should this map to um, based on its uh, location, based on its rotation, based on the light that's hitting it, all this other stuff. Um, our modern GPUs are really, really optimized to do this kind of operation, it contains a lot of linear algebra, and um, it's just been the standard for a while. Typically the standard is ray tracing for something that doesn't need to be fast, but it needs to be pretty. And rasterization for things that just need to be fast. Okay, like, so,
0: in other words, rasterization is a simplified process that games can use to run lighting in real time, but it results in like a less detailed lighting model. Than it's like not just
1: it's not just lighting. Um, it's just all okay. all all kinds of um, like ray ray tracing uh, has lighting in mind, but uh, rasterization is just entirely. I've got triangles. Let me show them to you. I got
0: triangles.
1: Hey, baby, I got triangles. Yeah. Let me show you well, one. Now.
0: We don't have triangles, we got
1: rays. So the way ray tracing works is really, really cool. So the way light dynamics work is you got these wavelengths that bounce into your eye and you're like, hey, I can perceive that because I'm a human being who's evolved the ability of sight. So- You are? Last I checked. Yeah, wow. So the way ray tracing works is instead of um, Taking all these triangles and being like, "Hey, where are they on these pixels?" Instead, most modern ray tracing is done by, "Hey, I've got all these pixels. I'm going to shoot out beams of light um, into my scene, and those beams of light are going to collide with these triangles. And those triangle, then based on those collisions, they're going to spread out again and have like more cursory bounces."
0: Um, so this sounds like a way that instead of it like manually lighting a scene, you can place a light source and have it naturally reflect and move in the way that light does in a real space.
1: That's that's a thing. Um, not entirely. OK. So while you would think that um, rays emit the these like rays emit from the lights. Instead, the better thing to do is because since we only need to light a screen, um, we send out the rays to each out of each individual pixel at a different angle based on where you want the viewer to be. It's based entirely on field of view. So in doing that, um, if it hits a light source, you're like, wow, I I know I need to be really bright. Um, And then it works backwards to determine, okay, what's bright? How is light interacting with other light? Um, In essence, what you need to know is this makes a very beautiful picture. Um, It results in much more realistic mixing of light and oh, it's expensive.
0: Okay, cool. Let's hit the last two real quick. 3D audio. That's something I'm so
1: excited for. Yeah, as
0: that's, well. That's cool. And then the the last thing is that um, Sony CEO Kenichiro Yoshida confirmed this is not a half step console. This is the next gen, which
1: oh, with specs like that, it better be. Um,
0: yeah. Which is weird that they're calling it you know the next generation console instead of just saying PS5. Like it's. Honestly gonna be PS5. Unless the rumor comes out to be yep, true, there's yep. a rumor that it is going to be this is completely rumor. I have to say that three times to make sure it's known. That rumor. it's going to be completely backwards compatible for all PlayStation consoles.
1: And the additional caveat with that rumor that I love is that it was just going to be named the PlayStation.
0: Oh, the included. I would love that. I'd be totally down with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there, but unfortunately, we don't have a ton of time to go through it. Um, if you're interested, do read Wired's article and uh, give it give it a look because there's a lot of interesting stuff being written about, not just the specs of this, but what um, a lot of this stuff can imply in terms of where consoles are moving, uh, how they're going to compete with PCs in the future, and uh, specifically, what backwards compatibility is going to mean for the market as we go forward, which I find really interesting. Definitely give that a read. Um, But for our show, I think that's about the time that we've got. So if you want us to read any of your emails um, in the future, please send them. We love questions and you can get that. They're delicious. I eat them every day. Munch munch at the (laughs) email ngood at dailyemerald.com. I'll definitely read all of them. We don't get that many, so we can definitely talk about all of them. Come back next week for more good news.
1: Send in all of your emails griefing the loss of our friend Alex.
0: Rip. My name's Nolan. With me is...
1: My name is Andrea, and don't forget to stay hydrated.